Well, last week was our last message in the book of James, and this week I'm going to preach a, a teach a little message here, and I'm not going to I'm not going to teach anything that you don't already know. Which really the gospel is is that, isn't it? I'm continuously teaching each week something you guys know. And we're going to look at five words for today, five five Bible words, and then next week we're going to start our study in the book of Galatians. But we're going to look at five Bible words today. And again, these are words that we we already know. And I think it's important for us, though, to look at these words and to reflect upon these words. The Scripture never gets old, does it? It never gets old. And for we who are the redeemed of the Lord, we come each week, we want to hear about Christ. Well, all these words that we're going to look at, these five Bible words, their hub is Christ. And I consider these five Bible words like spokes that come out of the hub. Because he's always the center. He's always the center. It's always about Christ and him alone. It's always about what he's done and never about anything we do. Because we, we, we don't bring anything to salvation. But we bring our sin and that's it, right? But as far as contributing to salvation, we don't contribute anything to salvation. It's a gift of God. We're going to see that in the main message today, that it's a gift of God. And sometimes it's not even sought after. Well, we know that the scripture actually tells us that Christ seeks those who he was not sought after by. Right? And we'll see that in the main message as well. But these five Bible words, you will hear them proclaimed by faithful gospel preachers many times. And they're, I, I find these words are melodious to the soul. They're melodious to the born-again believer. Because, again, they get our minds set upon Christ. They focus our, our attention upon what he's done and what he's done for us as believers. And sometimes we can become familiar with, with doctrine or with certain things. And we'll say, well, oh, I know that. But I believe it's important for us to always look at these words. To always look at the truth of the scriptures and to be marveled at. It's like Psalm 23. We've all heard it. And, and we could probably recite parts of it. But it's never old for the believer. And when you start looking into those words about the Lord and who he is, the Lord our healer, the Lord our shepherd, oh my, the Lord our provider, Jehovah Jireh, it's amazing when you start to break down that psalm. We'll do that down the road. I had that put upon my heart to eventually go through Psalm 23 again and probably in a Sunday school setting and just really break down the, the whole psalm itself. But these five words, again, these five words will give us hope. Will give us hope. The first Bible word that I'd like this to, to look at is election. Election. And let us remember that 
outside of Christ, there's no election. Right? There's none. And God's election of His people is unconditional. It's not based upon anything in us at all. Nothing in us at all. It's immutable too. It can't change. If God chose you in Christ, you're chosen in Christ. You can't change that fact. Praise be to God, right? You can't change the fact that fact based upon our own sinfulness and all we are is sin. God has chosen to save a people. Turn, if you would, to John chapter 15. Now, when Adam fell in the garden, every one of us fell in him. All of humanity fell in him. We are the children of Adam. All of us. The difference with Christ is he is the seed of the woman. He wasn't tainted with sin. We're tainted with sin from our father and from our mother. But look what it says here in John chapter 15, verse 16. And I remember when I first heard about election, I recoiled because I believed that it was based upon my, my will that, that uh, the Lord saved me. And I had never really saw these verses. Look at this verse in John 15, 16. And remember when we were chosen, right? Ephesians 1 says we were chosen in Christ, which means elect in Christ before the foundation of the world. Now look what it says here. Ye have not chosen me. Yeah, but I've chosen you. Now, how many people in this world are told to pray a prayer or, or bow their head? That's not even in the scripture. Right? We know that, and we're gonna, we are going to see today, oh my, in, in, the, in the main message, we are going to see God's irresistible power. When he calls a sinner to him, you cannot resist. You cannot resist. Look at this. You have not chosen me, but I've chosen you and ordained you. Ordained us to what? That we should go forth and bring forth fruit. That the Holy Spirit would work in us. And remember, when it says bring forth fruit there, it's not by something we do. It's by the Holy Spirit of God working in us and producing this, this fruit, joy, peace, long-suffering. He produces all that in us. He gives us faith to believe on Christ and that your future to remain. That which the Holy Spirit rots in us remains. Isn't that amazing? And that whatsoever he shall ask my Father in my name, he may give it. And we know that's all according to God's will and purpose. He answers our prayers according to his will. We don't know his will. I always look, if the Lord doesn't answer one of my prayers, it wasn't his will for me to have that or do that. Period. It's amazing. I had a friend back, back west, Paul, dear dear brother, he came to us. Uh, he, the Lord saved him out of Mormonism and he heard, he heard uh, one of our grace preachers preaching on the radio and he had mentioned that uh, we had a work in Central Point at that time. He came to visit us and he stayed for six years before he passed away. And I had the privilege of preaching his funeral and Dear, dear brother. But he told me, he said, Wayne, when I want to buy something, I'll go into a store and I'll go into a store and I'll see, well, do I really need it? You know, I want it, but do I really need it? And he says, I, pray, I say, I'm going to go home and pray about it for one night. 
And he goes home and he prays, if the Lord wills. He says, I go back the next day. If it's there, I'll buy it. If it's not, I won't. It, it wasn't the Lord's will for me to have it. I said, that's awesome, Paul. That was just his way of, of, of if, if the Lord didn't want him to have it, it'd be gone. And he said, sometimes things were gone. So it just went, you know. But that was his, it was neat, because that was his way of, of figuring if it, if it was the Lord's will for him to have it, he'd have it, and if he didn't, he wouldn't. So we all fell in Adam. We all fell in Adam, and, and the Lord will answer our prayers according to his will. Turn now, if you would, to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians. And, and remember this, we come into this world, right, lacking the ability to save ourselves. We can't save ourselves at all. We can't do anything to save ourselves, not at all. We're dead in trespasses and sins. We do not seek God. There's none that understand that. That's our natural state. We do not understand God. We do not understand the things of the Scripture. But oh, when, he, when we're born again of the Holy Spirit of God, now we have an understanding. This book's a whole different book, isn't it? Oh my gosh, it's incredible. Look at this. Oh, this is a wonderful. And this is a young church. Now anyone who says that, that you shouldn't teach election to young converts, look at this. Now, now do we need to, this, this is something that I got to say. When the Lord saves us, we don't know a whole lot. Right? Some people say, well, you have to know this doctrine to be saved. And that's you look to Christ. He will teach you those doctrines. Doctrine doesn't save. Christ saves. Doctrine is sweet and beautiful and wonderful. But it's Christ who saves. And he will teach us these things. Think of this. We did not know about election. I had no clue about election before the Lord saved me. I, when the Lord saved me, I still didn't really understand about election. He taught me that, and now I marvel at it. It's actually one of my favorite doctrines because I know that if, if God hadn't chose me, I'd never chose him. So I love the doctrine of election personally because it's, it just makes me marvel that God chose me in Christ. Look at this, though. So he's writing to a young church here in Thessalonica. And remember, what, what God wills comes to pass, right? Look what he writes here, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 1 to 5. We give thanks, God, always for you, making mention of you in our prayers. Remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God, in our Father. Knowing, brethren, beloved, your what? Election of God. That means in the Greek, God chose him. So election is a biblical word. When people say, well, I don't believe in election, you're saying you don't believe the Bible? Because there it is. Knowing, beloved, knowing brethren, beloved, your, your election, you being chosen of God. And remember what Christ said, you have not chosen me, I've chosen you. See, there it is. Look at this. I love this next verse. Look at this. For our gospel came not unto you word in word only. Today we're going to see that the gospel came to Felix in word only, but not in power. He told Paul, I'm going to have you come back in a convenient time. That convenient time never came, did it? But the, for, these, for these saints here, the word of God didn't, didn't just come. They didn't just hear Paul's words. But it came in power, in the power of the Holy Spirit of God. 
and he made it a factual and saved their souls. It came in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. Much, we have much assurance as believers, don't we? Now, we, we doubt. We get tossed to and fro. But our assurance is not in ourselves. Our assurance is in Christ. It's in Christ and Him alone. It's wonderful. As you know, what manner of man we were among you for your sake. And all that happened according to the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. Because they were chosen in Christ. And that word came with the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And they were regenerated. And they were granted faith to believe just like we are as believers. Isn't that wonderful? It's absolutely wonderful. And then it says in Ephesians 1.4, it says, According as he hath chosen us in, in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Now the, the Greek word for chosen there in Ephesians 1.4 means to this, to pick out. God picked us out, beloved. And there was nothing in us that caused him to do that. Isn't that amazing? Nothing in us that caused him to do that. It also means to select and recipients of special favor and privilege. To set apart. Beloved, we're set apart. We're set apart. And this is all done based upon God's Sovereign will and purpose. The next word I'd like to consider is predestination. Now this is a word that religionists hate. Predestination. And always remember to qualify someone. Again, see, I'm not teaching you anything you don't know. These are words we know. But, but I hope that it will spur you to rejoice in these wonderful words. Predestination. I always ask someone if they say, do you believe in predestination? I always ask them, what do you believe predestination is? It's usually not what the Scripture says. It's usually not what the Scripture says at all. And remember this, without Christ, there's no predestination. Without Christ, there's absolutely no predestination. We are, you know what we're predestined to be? Conformed to the image of the Son. Does not every Do we not want to be conformed to the image of the Son? Of course we do. That's what we desire, isn't it? We desire not to sin anymore. But we're sinners, aren't we? Oh my. Predestination is also God's sovereign arrangement of all affairs of the universe. He's in absolute control. He's in absolute control from eternity. And right now and into everlasting. There will never be a time when God's not in control. He's in absolute control, beloved. My, either God does all things and knows all things, or he doesn't. And we know he does. We know he does. Scripture says this, Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me. There's no one like him. There's no one like our king, beloved. No one. Declaring the end from the beginning. The opposite again. You've heard me say many times, the opposite of what we know, and from ancient times, from times when we don't even know. From ancient times. Oh, from all eternity. The things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand. Shall stand. That's our king saying that, beloved. That's our redeemer saying that. My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. It was his pleasure to save us. 
It was his pleasure to choose us in Christ. My, it's wonderful. Calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man that executed my counsel from a far country, yea, I have spoken it. I will bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. We are evidence. We who are believers are evidence of those words. He chose us in Christ. Christ came to redeem us. The Holy Spirit regenerated us. He did in our lives what he purposed. And he had it come to pass, beloved. Isn't that wonderful? He had it come to pass. Our God knows the end from the beginning. Sometimes I just sit and marvel that the Lord chose me. I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I just sit and marvel that he chose me. My, oh, my. I just, I just marvel at it. Listen to this. Predestination is found in two places. Let's turn to them. First one is Ephesians chapter 1. And then the next is, is Romans chapter um, 8. It says in Ephesians 1.5, having predestinated us unto the adoption of Jesus, adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Predestination is a biblical word, beloved. It's in the Bible. <laughs> and it means, in the Greek, to limit or mark out beforehand. To design definitely beforehand, to ordain beforehand. God's already ordained everything that's going to happen. And then look at verse 11, the same chapter. It says, In whom we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. All according to God's will and purpose. Now turn to Romans chapter 8. And we will see here that predestination brings forth in the scripture that we're to be conformed to the image of the Son. When we get to glory, we'll be holy. We have no sin. He has no sin. He's never had any sin, did he? He's in glory, sinless, just like he was here on this earth. And eventually we will be conformed to his image and we will be sinless in glory. Isn't that going to be amazing? It's going to be amazing. We struggle so much with sin right now, we won't ever struggle with sin in glory. Never. It won't even be found. Oh, my. It's wonderful. I'll tell you what. Look at Romans 8.29. For whom he did foreknow, and as we read this, it's all past tense. It's all past tense. For whom he did foreknow, well, he cho we were chosen in Christ. He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, so that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now, when I was a little tyke growing up in Canada, I had no idea that I was predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son. When I was in my 20s, doing things I shouldn't have done, I had no idea that I was predestinated to be conformed to the image of the Son. When I was in my 30s, the Lord saved me. I didn't understand about being conformed to the image of the Son. I hadn't heard a whole lot about it, but as the Lord had me grow in grace and I heard these wonderful truths, just embrace them. Now I know I still don't fully understand it. 
I don't yeah, if we're honest, we don't fully understand these things. But right now, all of us who are sitting here, we have been predestinated to be conformed to the image of the Son from eternity by God himself. Isn't that marvelous? So this is why, because most people, when they bring up predestination, say, oh, you believe people are predestinated to go to hell. No. Man naturally goes there. See, that's why you have to qualify people, because that's what they think predestination is. Well, we've just seen that predestination is, is to be conformed to the image of Christ. That's what predestination is. And it's God who's done that. Man, what does God have to do for a man to go to hell? Leave him alone. Right there. What does God have to do for a man, to, a man or a woman to go to heaven? Everything. Everything. See, this is the difference between religion and grace. My, oh, my. You know, the Gentiles, Paul was preaching the gospel, and there were some Gentiles who were ordained to hear the word of grace. It says this, and when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord, and as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. <laughs> the Lord reigns, beloved. The third word, I gotta, I gotta get going here. The third word is redemption. Again, a word you already know about. Redemption. Again, Take Christ out of redemption. See, take Christ out of election. There's no election. Take Christ out of predestination. There's no predestination. Take Christ out of redemption. There's no redemption. Because we can't save ourselves. See, so all these words, again, have Christ as the hub. He's the center of all these. We're going to see. It's like, it's like a wheel with spokes. You, have no, you, you take that center out, those spokes are gone. They have nothing to hold them together. Nothing at all. So redemption, what is redemption? It's the ransom of chosen sinners. It's the ransom of chosen sinners who are elected in Christ, out from under the curse of God's broken law. See, we broke God's law. We are deserving of the wrath of God. But we've been ransomed, beloved. We've been purchased out from under the curse of the law. And how is redemption accomplished? By the perfect sin-atoning work of the Lord Jesus Christ when he died in our room and place. By the shedding of his precious blood, we are redeemed by the blood of Christ. We are ransomed by the blood of Christ. Oh, it's wonderful. And no man can be justified, no man or woman can be justified by the works of the law. None. We can only be ransomed from God's law. By Christ and Christ alone. My. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, such as silver or gold, we didn't buy our salvation. You can't buy your salvation. Right? From your vain conversations received by tradition from your fathers, we, we can't be ransomed and redeemed by keeping traditions. See, the Jews had lots of traditions, didn't they? They had, they had mixed, they had, there was no grace in what they were doing. 
They put all these commandments upon man, just like religious people do today. All these things that man would have to do, and they didn't even do them themselves. The scripture says, we are not redeemed by anything but, but the precious blood of Christ. There's no merit in us, even to be ransomed. It's God's favor that he ransomed us. It's God's favor that he chose us in Christ. It's God's favor that we were predestinated to be conformed to the image of the Son. It's all God's favor. It's all God's grace and mercy. It says, but with the precious blood of Christ, that's what we're redeemed with. As of a lamb without blemish and without spot, we're redeemed by the sinless, spotless lamb of God. He shed his precious blood. He purchased us out from under the law. That law, oh, it had such a claim upon us. He purchased us, and he paid everything that law demanded for us. Paid in full. It's wonderful. Who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world. We were chosen in Christ. He's, he's the lamb. He's, he's not, this is not by accident that he's the lamb of God. This is foreordained from before the foundation of the world, beloved. That he would be the mighty Savior. That he would be the Savior of sinners, such as you and I. And God spared not his son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall we not fully give him all things? For who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It's God that justifies. We're justified by God, beloved. Justified by God, the son ransoming us, paying, paying our sin debt, beloved. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again and is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of, of God? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? No one. Because he keeps us. He keeps us. If it was up to us, we'd be gone. He keeps us, beloved. So tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, that's all the things that can happen in this world. It is written, for thy sake we are killed as all the day long we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. That's in Romans chapter 8. Through him that loved us. Conquerors in Christ. And the scripture declares, in whom we have redemption through his blood. It's all through the precious blood of Christ. And the believer possesses this redemption. The scripture says in Ephesians chapter 1, 7, in whom we have redemption. We have it, beloved. It's ours. Why? Through his blood. Through his sacrifice. We have it now. It's wonderful. Even the forgiveness of sins, according to what? The riches of his grace. All according to the riches of his grace. The fourth word I'd like us to consider is being born again. Another Bible word. Another Bible word. Turn, if you would, to John chapter 3. Another, another Bible word. My, oh my. John chapter 3. Nicodemus, man who was greatly admired among the Gentiles, a teacher, or a teacher among the Israelites, I mean, comes to Christ at night. And remember, when you're reading John chapter 3, I, I didn't see this until Donnie Bell told me one time. He said, when you read down John 3.16, the Lord's still talking to Nicodemus. He's still ta- he, he tells Nicodemus that he, he, he speaks to him about substitution when he says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Right? 
You can't have 316 for God so loved the world, and that's we know as God's people, without, without 14 and, and 15. Take a look at it in your time. It's incredible. But look at this in John chapter 3, verses 1 to 7. This is our Lord here, and he's going to use a Bible word called born again. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. So they couldn't deny. Nicodemus, he's saying, we can't deny the works that you're doing. They, they must be from God. Jesus answered, now remember too, this is a man who, who studied the scriptures, who's taught on the scriptures, but he doesn't know God. He's a religious lost man. Think of the cardinals in the Catholic Church and, and the Pope himself. These are religious. They, they look at the scriptures, but they do not know Christ. They don't know him at all. Look at this though. Jesus answered him and said, Verily, verily, I send to thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He just lays it right out. He lays it right. And I, I believe the reason he does is because Nicodemus was a man who, who thought himself that he knew a lot about Scripture, and the Lord just lays it right out for him. You must be born again. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born again, or born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? So this is a natural man's response to someone saying, you must be born again. He's saying, you mean I got to go back in my mom's womb and be born? See, the, the, it's kind of condescending the way he's answering back. And then look what the Lord says to him again. Again. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except the man be born of water and of the Spirit, so there's the Holy Spirit at work, right? Water, we're born, and water is the word, right? In the Spirit, cannot, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not. Again, he's going to say it a third time here. Marvel not that I say unto thee, you must be born again. You must be. In the Greek being born again means born from above. There's the Holy Spirit at work. If it, if it means to be born from above, it means that no man on earth can, can, can do this. You must be born again by the Holy Spirit of God. He must do a work in us, in you, and in I. That's what this is, this is bringing forth. And it also means in the Greek from a higher place. From a higher place. So it means by the Holy Spirit of God. And again, we're born into this world dead in trespasses and sins. We have no hope at all. No hope at all. But you know what, beloved? Rejoice because we're complete in Him. We're complete in Christ. He purchased us as we saw earlier. He redeemed us. We're, we're complete in Him. Absolutely complete in Him. So we see that regeneration does not occur out, outside of God's work and will. Again, you take Christ away. Because what did Christ say? He said, I'll send the Comforter. Who's the one who regenerates us? The Comforter. Without Christ sending them, there's no hope. 
That's like this, this stuff people talk about with the end times and all this. Here's a question to ask someone. If they say, you know, oh, there's going to be a tribulation and God's going to take the Holy Spirit out. That's what they, I used to believe it. So I know, I know what I'm talking about. They, they, they always say, well, God will take the Holy Spirit out and, uh, and then people will be saved by reading the, reading, uh, the Bible or, or reading notes that people leave behind. No one. And this is how you know it's just foolishness. No one will be saved without the regenerating power of God, the Holy Spirit. I asked one of those guys one time, I said, I said, so you, you believe that that's going to happen? I said, you believe the Holy Spirit can be taken out? Oh, yeah. I said, no one can be saved then. He had no answer. He never thought of that. No answer at all. Donnie Bell's the one who clicked me into that. He, we were talking in a restaurant there one night in Oregon after he preached, and he, had, he was bringing up things that he had taught in the book of Revelation, and that was one of them. The Holy Spirit must be at work. It's, it's his office. It's, his, it's what he does. He, he regenerates us. We're born again by his power. By his power. Now, the last word I'd like us to consider is purpose or providence. Purpose. You know, God does things on purpose. There's nothing God does that's not on purpose. Isn't that incredible? Including choosing us in Christ, including redeeming us with his precious blood, including regenerating us, including conforming us to the image of the Son. He does it on purpose. On purpose. Providence is the glorious mystery, mysterious sovereign rule of the, of the whole universe by God. Romans chapter 8. Turn right there. We'll look at one, one scripture here. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. The scripture declares there that God works all things together for good to them that love God. Now, a lot of people just stop right there. You hear this verse quoted, people stop right there. They do not finish the verse. You must finish the verse. And, and we do know as God's people, we've been taught, haven't we, that all things work according to God's will and purpose. It says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Who are the ones who love God? Those who are born again. Those who are redeemed by Christ. I did not love God in my natural state. Not at all. Now I love the Lord. My. But I didn't before. Look at this. For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. God does things on purpose. If you're here and you're saved, it's because God purposed that. That you would be saved. That you would love Christ, that you would love the gospel, that you would, that you would love God's people. Because we didn't love any of those things before the Lord saved us. And you know, God also governs the whole universe according to his purpose. We need not to freak out when things are going on in this world because God is governing all things according to his purpose. Now we do, we get pretty excited, don't we? We do, I admit it. I'm the first one to admit it. We get pretty excited about things going on. And then we have to get a check in ourselves to go, God's governing everything according to his will and purpose. And what peace comes over us. What peace floods our soul, beloved. 
Do you know he raises up leaders, nations, all according to his will and purpose? He, he raised up the Greek Empire and all went forth and conquered much land. Then he rose up and then it, it fell. Then he rose up the Roman Empire, mighty empire. Went even further than the Greeks. And they're gone. My, oh my. But think of that. Think of what, what was purpose there. That, that Greek language went all across those different places. And then, and then when the New Testament was written, it went like wildfire. God does everything on purpose, doesn't he? Everything's done on purpose. He, think of this. I'm going to close with this. He elects his people according to his will and purpose. He predestinates his people according to his purpose. He redeems his people by the blood of Christ according to his purpose. He regenerates his people by the power of God, the Holy Spirit, according to his purpose. And he keeps his people and he will glorify his people in Christ all according to his will and purpose. God does things on purpose. Hallelujah. That we were included in Christ. Oh my. So we know these words, but oh, how they can make our souls sing, eh? How they can make our souls sing at these wonderful truths.